No Password Required is a presentation of Cyber Florida, located on the Tampa campus of the University of South Florida. Hello, I'm Bill McQueen, and you're about to hear a special two-part edition of No Password Required, recorded at Florida Cyber Conference 2019 in Tampa. In part one, an expert panel explores how to cover cybersecurity in the C-suite. Here is moderator Mark Clancy, Chief Information Officer for Sprint. I'd like to introduce my panelists. Uh, closest to me is Ms. Diane uh, Janicek, Esquire, CISSP, LMNOP. Um, she's uh, at the National Security Agency and there, is their Training Director and Commandant for the National Cryptological School. She manages and oversees the deliveries of new courses uh, for U.S. civilian and military intelligence workforce in the areas of cybersecurity, network security, cyber resilience, encryption, uh, ensuring a strong federal workforce to defend critical national security networks. In 2019, uh, Cybersecurity Association of Maryland's Cyber Warrior Woman of the Year. Woo! All right, go cyber women. Uh, recognizing her mentorship, inspiration, and advocacy for women in cybersecurity field. She's also the president of Women in Cybersecurity's YSIS Mid-Atlantic Regional Affiliate and holds the YSIS Affiliate Leadership Award in 2019. Uh, she serves uh, on the White House National Science and Technology Council, Federal Coordination in STEM, Engineering sub Subcommittees, and coordinates STEM education programs and investments, um, and has spent a interesting career, I'll say, in my world, uh, in the intelligence community in the Department of Defense. So welcome, Diane. Our next panelist is Andy Zolper. He is the Chief Information Security Officer and Head of Technology Infrastructure for Raymond James Financial, just across the water here in St. Pete. Um, he's responsible for all facets of the information security, technology, infrastructure engineering, enterprise technology platform operations, and software quality management. He has over 30 years experience as a technologist, including 15 years experience in financial services as a practitioner. He is a VMI graduate and a US Marine Corps veteran. He serves on the advisory board of Cyber Florida, along with me, and is dedicated to positioning the state as a national leader in cybersecurity through education, innovation, research, and community outreach. Thank you, Andy. And certainly not least, uh, Terry Roberts has established the first cybersecurity online exchange, enabling all business, especially mid-sized and small companies, to have continuous online access to automated cyber risk scorecards maturity models, affordable projects, pro products, probably projects too, uh, services and insights industry-wide. Previously, Terry was the task VP for cyber engineering analytics, uh, running all cyber and IT financial and business analytics, cross-cutting innovative technical services. Prior to task, she was executive director at Carnegie Mellon Software Engineering Institute, establishing the emergency, emerging, I can't speak today, technology center and cyber intelligence consortium. Prior to transitioning to industry in 2009, she was a deputy director of the Naval Intelligence. Welcome, Terry. So this panel, we're going to cover uh, cybersecurity in the C-suite, that was the topic. Uh, we heard the general this morning speak about something and I was at the gym this morning and I heard a song and it made me think of exactly what I was gonna say even though I thought of it yesterday. And my question is, did Justin Timberlake get it wrong? and we need to bring unsexy back. So when you're talking to the leadership of your organization, how do you handle that basic, this is what we need to do to block and tackle? 
right? Because I've lived it my life. I'm sure you have. Um, so maybe we'll start with you, Diane. How do you sort of get that across to leadership so they get it? Sure. So I appreciate the question and really thanks to Cyber Florida for hosting this and thank you for all the participants and for sharing your time with us today. We really appreciate that. So we did hear General Nakasone say this morning about, you know, the cyber psychology, right, and, and the motivation piece and trying to get people to really um, understand the true value of what they're doing. So I think what you're asking is with respect to how do you get folks to say, you know, we got to actually get up and do the heavy lifting. And I think what we're all realizing today is that that heavy lifting is the very root of who we are as Americans, right? We live for our economic security, our national security. Cybersecurity affects every single sector, especially the critical infrastructure um, sectors in our country, right? With manufacturing and banking and healthcare, defense, intelligence, energy. Every single sector needs the underpinning of cybersecurity. And I think so, talking about the block and tackle, I think it goes back to getting folks motivated and say, you know what, this really is really important to us. And I started thinking about, and then I'll turn over to my colleagues, I started thinking about, you know, why is it so important? And it's the very root of who we are as Americans, as I just said. And I went back and I was looking at the Constitution, and the Constitution was written in, was it 1789? So it's over 300 years ago when it was actually uh, ratified and, and um, over 300 years ago, and it was written on four pages of parchment, right? In 2020, there's gonna be 20 billion IoT devices. And nowhere in that constitution does the word cyber come out. But it affects every single one of us as Americans. And I think it says we the people are here to form, have a more, are coming together to form a more perfect union. And that's what you're all doing here today, right? We're here together to form a more perfect union. And I think that's really, I think that's really who we are as Americans. And I just want to thank you for, uh, you know, for supporting, you know, the critical need that we have to upskill in the area of cybersecurity because our nation depends on it. Thanks, Andy. Well, a a uh, dimension that I'll touch on, Mark, um, that also General Nakasone uh, referred to. He said several times about running a good network. You know, talking about unsexy, talking about foundations. Um, you know, having good cyber hygiene, patching, uh, configuration management, change control in an enterprise, you know, talk about unsexy. A lot of us as cyber practitioners, like, you know, where's AI going to take us versus, hey, how well are we doing in the fundamentals? And so that can be a challenging discussion with the C-suite, um, but I think you have to not only have that discussion, but uh, take an honest look at your organization, see, well, where are we exactly? Sort of in the maturity of running a good network, because I can certainly say if you're pitching to the C-suite that uh, you, know, you want to spend money on red teaming and uh, you don't have effective change control, you're flushing money down the toilet, right? And so you know, think about what you need next in that, in that uh, maturity journey. Great. Terry? So since uh, Target and since Sony especially, it became a lot easier to talk to CEOs and executives to say when the CEO got fired and the stock price went down, that's when accountability began. So I think there's an accountability discussion which is I'm trying to protect you and the company. And so, you know, be on this journey with me, number one. Number two is I highly recommend today now that cyber risk ratings are a commodity, that outside-in risk rating, 
like from you know BitSight, Security Scorecard, Risk Recon, UpGuard, that recommend, hey, we need to have that done. It can't be just what our team is telling us. We, you need to have something from the outside in with no dog in the fight that's giving you an indicator of where we are and to motivate us and keep us focused on where our key risks are. And then the last thing is I recommend everyone who's an executive who doesn't have a cyber clue go to a cyber executive program. So they had a great one here at University of South Florida where we brought CEOs in and they had two days of immersion into cyber risk and impact and return on investment and how you need to think about it. I helped establish the one at Harvard back in 2014. I think this is a new dynamic of the last five years. You can't expect executives to be smart on this Okay, and we need to train them on it and, it, and then it's not coming from you, it's coming from the cyber executive program and they get their little certificate and I think they come back to the team with an understanding that they need to own this. You're listening to No Password Required. This is Bill McQueen. We now return to our special edition of No Password Required, recorded at the Florida Cyber Conference 2019 in Tampa. So we also had a lot of conversations about building capacity and creating the workforce that we need for all the nation's needs, individual companies, the government, et cetera. Um, and so my question for the panel is, you know, when I meet with my business executives, I'm in the commercial sector, um, when I present my idea of our Plan for talent is build by rent. We're gonna go pay people a lot of money and pull them off the street. We're gonna take people we have, we're gonna train them up, and then we're gonna use consultants, right? And the question they always ask me is, well, why do you need to build, right? So why do you think each of us, whatever, whether supporting government or private sector, why do we also have a job to build that workforce even with our own company, with our own resources, not just hire everybody from the state university system in Florida? And whoever wants to go first, maybe we'll start with Terry. This is a relatively new talent set, right? And it's not just running you know, cyber operations. It's really how does cyber risk impact your business or your nonprofit or your government organization. Um, and so we need people who have the mindset from a, if they're policy people, if they're business people, if they're marketing people, <laughs> if they're technical people, we need everybody owning this, and we haven't had time to create uh, uh, two generations, right, with this background. Those of us who got into it in the late 90s were kind of like, you know, the cutting edge, and that's not very long. And then the dynamic is moving at the speed of technology, so keeping up, you're never, right? You're never there. So it's a combination. It's a combination of throughput from every university in the country, and then it's on-the-job training, and it's internships, um, and it's you know learning together. So it's a continuous, continuous focus. 
Yeah, I would emphasize that continuous focus. And regardless of your source of talent, again, whether it's a you know, new hire out of school or it's a mid-career hire, you're going to need effective training in your organization, right, uh, to on-ramp someone into your tool set, into your processes, for that matter, you know, into the context uh, in which they'll be working. Uh, I just bumped into someone in the hallway this morning who we are hiring into our, what we call our Accelerated Development Program. That's basically our, our uh, uh, recent graduate on-ramp program. You know, uh, very excited, you know, to have heard that we extended an offer. He's, he's you know, ready to go. He said, "What? I'm studying this, this, this to get ready. He mentioned some technical things, some tools. What else can I do to get ready? And I said, learn as much about financial services between now and then as you can. That's your situational awareness, right? And, 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 uh, and so uh, now... When he lands, believe me, we're, we're gonna we're gonna fill up his fire hose with information um, and have a very uh, well programmed training uh, process. But that but that can't just be your on ramp, uh, you know, program. That has to be every job in the organization cross training, um, uh, you know, being exposed to different departments. And uh, I think a lot of managers really don't have a, they think training someone else's job. Right, and their job is the daily load. Training somehow is someone else, and I, I would say that's probably a leader's, you know, first responsibility is to be thinking about development uh, and making sure the team has all the tools, knowledge required to be successful. So I would really take that on board as a leader and think about, well, let me inventory what we're doing in my organization, uh, and, and you don't have to be a large organization to say I'm going to sit down and put some basic training together for my team uh, and get started tomorrow. Thanks for sharing that. So I, I, would, I guess I would add that as leaders within any organization or any critical infrastructure or sector, they're recognizing that you need to develop the whole person throughout their whole career. And so we're trying to match that up, though, with the actual employee. And the employee is wanting to be developed. They want to learn more. And I think the reason why I just love cybersecurity and the people in cybersecurity is that they actually just love to learn. They embrace it. And they actually just, they're, they're, they want to be constantly challenged and keep developing themselves and knowing what's new, knowing what the risks are, how they can mitigate those. And I think that's what makes a cybersecurity discipline so incredibly fascinating are the people. Because they're just, they're, they want to learn. So it's really having the, the you know, your, your cadre, your talent, which is like, you know, the future of your business, really making sure they align with where the leaders are going and recognizing it's not just training. And like Terry said, on, it's not just on-the-job training and training and education, but it's every single day. Like, how can we just embrace this more and more? And that's why I love conferences like this, is that you're seeing where the intersection of industry and government and academia are coming together and saying, what's changing? Where are those shared services? Where is the risk of those shared services? Where is the supply chain? What's new in the technology front? And so from the defense sector, right, we, we depend upon cloud services and the technologies of our private sector. And we realize now we can't be an island. You know, we're not like you go to the MVA to get your driver's license and motor vehicles and that they just only do that. Right? It's not like that anymore. We're all unified. We're just, we really are um, a unified country, and that's where I wanted to say about the more perfect union. We are the more perfect union. You're listening to No Password Required. This is Bill McQueen. We now return to our special edition of No Password Required recorded at the Florida Cyber Conference 2019 in Tampa. 
So do we think we need to innovate in the educational process itself? Now, one of the conversations I have in my shop is should we do just-in-time learning, right? interject it as I call it training in the inbox, you know, as people are doing tasks? What are your thoughts on that? So here we focus a lot about sort of curriculum and structured programs because Cyber Florida is connected, of course, with the state university system. But to me, the problem is more diverse than that. And do we need to change some of our thinking about how we innovate in education? Maybe we'll start with Andy. I'd say the answer is yes. In other words, multiple dimensions of learning. Part of that is different learning styles. But I also think different content uh, you know, demands different approaches, right? A snippet of information that you get out of a podcast uh, that might be applicable this afternoon is different than that just-in-time training that might be skills-related for a task I'm going to do, uh, which is totally different than an old-fashioned reading a book and really sort of intellectually chewing on that topic and, and applying it later, right? So I don't think there is one answer. Um, Just-in-time training isn't the answer to everything, but what content would really be best suited to that, right? And again, having a very uh, diverse set of learning approaches, but has to be programmatic, right, and, and has to be available, uh, all feeding into that critical thinking, you know, skill set that, that uh, General Naxoni was talking about. So I've had the luxury over the last four years to focus on small and mid-sized businesses, and so it's a different training challenge there. Um, I don't think we have enough um, webinar kinds of forums for both cybersecurity awareness training, the, the foundational, and then risk training, cyber risk training to your business or to your organization. Um, and I, you know, from my CMU days, I'm a big, you know, e-learning webinar person because why not do something that can reach thousands of people at the same time, vice, you know, everything having to be face-to-face. -face. We need to scale the, the kind of awareness training and outreach really from kindergarten through executive programs. Um, and so anything we can do to put that in multimedia um, allows us to reach a much broader audience, which is what we need. And I'll just add to that, there is so much content out there uh, the problem isn't not enough, it's overwhelming. And, and, uh, but with, again, with a little bit of thought, I think even a small organization or, or personally, right? What are sources of information that I can leverage? You know, curate a Twitter feed, uh, you know, follow certain podcasts, share with colleagues books to read. Uh, you will not have enough time in the day to absorb what's out there, and I mean that in a good way. So uh, the only thing I guess I would add is that everything is changing so quickly. So you definitely need traditional education and you definitely need on-the-job training, but it's almost how do you do that and how do you wrap, wrap your head around all that? So the example I was thinking of, um, is this on, so you can hear me okay? I guess I was thinking about the example of a Russian cyber analyst. So you need to know Russian. You need to understand the lingo that goes behind cyber communications, how they talk about it. You need to know how the technologies work. But then you also have to be an analyst. So you have to understand, you have to have analytical skills, you have to have critical thinking skills. You have to be able to put that together. You need to be able to communicate that and write that. So you're talking about four different skills in one person, right? So that's an awful lot. And for them to actually get that right, they have to understand the current geopolitical landscape add that on top of it, right? So there's so many nuances to being an expert in today's world in your different in different fields that all have a cyber component to it 
that that's where I think that's where I think is, things are changing, and that's why I just love cybersecurity, the interdisciplinary nature of it. You know, the folks that just just are in the field because they're passionate, they're patriots, but they're also intelligent and curious and interesting. So I think that's what I just love about meeting people here. Great. So let me pull that thread a little bit further. So you described the multi-skill player. Um, when I had my conversation with my HR leadership, and they asked me, well, what's the two-word job description you need for your cyber job? And I always say cryptographer diplomat, right? Because you need this wide range of skills, and if you have a single headcount, that, that job has to do 70 things, not four, right? And so one of the conversations with leadership is when you have these sort of combination skills that are complex, how do you manage that within the capacity you need, right? Because in the business world, getting any headcount is hard. It's never been easy. Um, but any thoughts on that? Yeah, so I, thanks for that question. So I think when I look, think about it, you know, cyber is a team sport. We've been preparing, you know, our military to work on next generation weapon systems for decades, right? We're constantly ahead of the game. Well, how do we do that? It's not just one person. It's always people coming together. What different roles can you do? And it's, it's leveraging those different skills and then getting better and better. So I think with respect to um, the HR, there, um, or a vacancy announcement, or how are they articulating it, it's, it has to be thought of the systems as systems. It's not just one one person leaves, you're gonna put a vacancy out for that position. And I think that's why it's so important to think strategically. Where do we need to get to as a unit or a business model for your own particular industry, even within academia? And then rethink that. It's not a one-for-one -one correlation. You may want to completely revamp how you actually approach it and how you manage it. And I think that's it's interesting where, where Terry is, because Terry was on the government side and industry side and academia side. And so things are changing. And you really need to bring in folks that can think big picture strategically to take us all to the next level. You know, it, it's a real challenge because when I think about it on my team, and, and I believe in the multidisciplinary approach, um, I have uh, straight computer scientists, I have data scientists, I have developers, but then I have uh, business, cyber business folks, I have uh, researchers and analysts, and, but I still find that no matter where they come from, I need to cyberize them. You know, there's. We're going to see that in Webster's next year. Yeah, the year. I, I, I just, I just like find, and so that that's where the you know the OJT comes in, or you know transitioning them to doing what they do with financial services. Do you see what I'm saying? I think mm -hmm. I look at: Do you have skill sets in general? I need. Do you have the right attitude? Can you learn and grow? Can you work as a team? And then I'll cyberize you, and then you'll be dangerous. And then what pisses me off is sometimes they leave. <laughs> um, but I always feel like, yeah, but I'm the one who cyberized them, and now they're going to go on you know, and stay in that career field, right? Um, and so maybe that's what we all need to be doing is taking amazing, you know, basic skill sets and education and capabilities. And by the way, this can also happen in middle age. I've done that with, you know, middle-aged folks too. Um, and then they, they go on to do bigger and better things. You're listening to No Password Required. This is Bill McQueen. 
We now return to our special edition of No Password Required, recorded at the Florida Cyber Conference 2019 in Tampa. I love that notion of cyber as a team sport. Some of my team are here. They've heard me say that, you know, many times. And maybe an analogy for how I think about my role a lot of times is I'm in the general manager uh, role. In other words, I'm not the coach running the plays necessarily. That's going to be, you know, sort of first and second line management. But as general manager, sure, I'd love if I could find the cryptographer diplomat every single time. But what am I missing on my roster? Right, And so if I do get that one opportunity for an expanded role, well, what do we need to complement the mix specifically rather than generically? And let's try to find you know, that skill set, that attribute, on top of sort of those baseline things. I totally agree around communications, critical thinking, you know, team orientation. A lot of the cyber stuff, we can cyberize them. We've now coined that term, right, in terms of <laughs> if they have the aptitude, what technical skills do we need to impart? We can get that across. But they don't have some of those other attributes. Those are hard to teach, right? And but then a little bit bigger picture: what does our roster need right now? Uh, you know, to get to the championship, if you will. Yeah. So to beat up your sports analogy, right? So you see a lot of college quarterbacks who are receivers in the NFL, right? Because they understand the game, they can be redeployed in another way because that's what the team needed, or that's where the other coaches said, well, maybe you could actually be stronger in this other role. And part of my build strategy is very much that. Oh, seven-eighths of my team are not cyber people. I have fraud investigators. I have people who answer, you know, victim assistance, you know, calling customers who have problems on their account, those kind of things. They're all becoming cyber people slowly, right, interjecting a little here. And the reason we did it is because we saw the crossover. The transactions we see in retail, guess what? They start because customer got fish on the Internet or SMS or whatever. And so when people started realizing that they're actually part of the cyber defense ecosystem, even if they're taking a fraud call from a customer, their attitude changed, their engagement changed too. And so that's another part of building. It's not just the education piece, but it's also the inclusion. Um, question, I'll start with Terry on this one. Uh, for a long time, we talked about data breaches and confidentiality loss. And my observation, this is still very abstract to C-level executives. Um, and then ransomware happened, and now it's business interruption, and it just got real. What have you seen about that change, and what have you done to, for lack of a better term, exploit that to widen their horizons as they think about how they run their company? The conversation, um, once they stop freaking out, <laughs> is, is then you, you bring them back and you, and you say, okay, let's assess the damage, right? let's have our response plan to our customers or clients, right? In other words, get them into constructive action mode, get them on the other side of that, and then you can have the first conversation because their eyes are wide open of, okay, now, how do we figure out your baseline? How do we prevent not this from happening again because it's probably not going to happen again because we're going to do all the right things going forward. But there's a whole sphere of other right uh, criminal risks out there that are targeting you. Now how do we get to the better place? What I wish we could do is create almost some scenarios and films that show this, right? Little vignettes. 
so that they can experience it without experiencing it. And that's part of the cyber executive programs where you do a scenario at the end, you know, kind of thing. I, yeah. I, if I could wiggle my nose, right, and make it happen across the CEO universe, um, it would be that you have your wake-up call virtually. That, that would be nice, because <laughs> the pattern is people tend not to learn from other people's pain. That's been our 20, last 20 years of cybersecurity right. sort of lesson, so trying to flip the script on that. I do, th I do think, though, the case study method works really well in communicating risk to executives. Um, and, and getting into the examples specifically, uh, yeah, you know, it, it can take some homework, right? Uh, can, can take talking to peers in industry, but getting details and making it real to them as well as what the gaps are, right? And, and um, you know, talking to, uh, in Florida, talking to some small and medium-sized business owners, talking to mayors, uh, you know, city of Baltimore. Uh, did, did anyone here work in the city of Baltimore? I don't want to pick on them, but. <laughs> No, let's pick on them just a minute, right? You know, uh, right? Critical patches not applied for three years. Um, uh, uh, you know, spending less than half the national average on information security, half the average for city governments, which let's face it, is probably not very high. You know, to begin with, uh, five CIOs in four years. You know, sort of go through the the diagnosis of what's wrong there, and so. You know, the point of that particular case study being it's not a magic bullet. You know, back to if these fundamentals were done, they would be in such better shape. And rather than a deflection about where did the malware come from, you know, forget that, right? Are they patching effectively? No. Are we patching effectively? Let's go find out, right? Not backing up their data. Are we backing up our data? Let's go find out. So I found making it real through examples like that and saying that could be us. I'll, I'll, uh, what, you know, what Joan Rivers say, like, can we talk for a sec? So for my own team, you know, we, we, we really went deep on Maersk and not Petya. And there can be a temptation. We're a pretty large organization. We, we feel like we spend a lot of money on cybersecurity. Uh, you know, Maersk and their Active Directory environment being completely compromised, relying on replication across, uh, you know, their, their AD uh, controllers. Um, hey team, do we back up our Active Directory environment versus just relying on real-time replication? Yes, we do, right? Okay, great. Um, how do you get to the backups? Through AD. <laughs> you know, we'll, be, we'll get back to you, boss. Hold on. You know, so there's something to be learned even that in that case study where we feel like, hey, we're in way, way better shape than that, right? So you know, that's a real takeaway, whether it's for a team or you know, we're talking to uh, executives about what are our opportunities? So I'm going to tag on to how do you get to the backup. So when there was the uh, hurricane that came through New York City, they said that 60% of the businesses that didn't have continuity of operations and redundancy built in, they were out of uh -huh. business right within 30 days. Within we, we lost the headquarters okay. in a data center and still process trades. There you go. So for the folks <laughs> that couldn't get process <laughs> trades, um, they were out of business, right? So I think people are recognizing now that was, you know, 10 years ago, whenever that was, and the business continuity model has changed with respect to cybersecurity. Now it's in real time, right? you got to actually have the, re the, the, um, the backup immediately available. So I think as a nation going to your sports analogy mark with to get to the championship we all have to get to the championship it's not okay as a country not to actually get there and I think that's the beautiful part about um, people now embracing the idea of a public-private partnership because we need it and um, just because that's where the, the nation is going so 
um, our national security depends upon strong cybersecurity. Our national security depends upon a strong economic security, and then economic security and the, you know, the, um, the economic strength of our country rests upon us coming together to get to that championship, not just once a year, but every single day, 365 days a year, 24-7. This has been the first half of a special two-part edition of No Password Required, recorded on location at Florida Cyber Conference 2019 in Tampa. On the next episode, the panel takes on the personnel gap in cybersecurity and what can be done about it. I'm Bill McQueen. Thank you for listening. No Password Required is a presentation of Cyber Florida, located on the Tampa campus of the University of South Florida. To hear other episodes of No Password Required, visit cyberflorida.org backslash podcast.